Thank you for tuning in to The Rate Stuff. I'm your host, Lisa Rate, and in this podcast, I'm going to share insights on current hot topics in the areas of public policy, politics, and business with some guests along the way. And welcome back to The Rate Stuff. So it's going to be an interesting discussion we have today. And from the topic that you've clicked through, you can see that it's something unique, but it's still a little bit of the same of what we talk about here, mainly in the natural resources sector. I met Daniel Sachs at a luncheon that was being hosted for the premier of Yukon. And we had a conversation about what space mining is, what it isn't, and the applications in real life. And I thought, what a great opportunity for him to be able to tell all kinds of other folks about the exciting things that are happening. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Daniel Sachs. He's a co-founder and CEO of the Canadian Space Mining Corporation since 2020. And he's a futurist. He's an entrepreneur. He's an investor and advisor. And he wants to focus on moving that needle for humanity by building new supply chain untethered from Earth's gravity. Hi, Daniel. Thank you very much for joining the race stuff. Hi, Lisa. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. So when I got your card and we were sitting down, I looked at it and it said space mining. And my first question was, what the heck is space mining? So what the heck is space mining? I think that is a very natural uh, reaction to the topic. It it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. I I think there's uh, several facets to it in in one and, and in part of our conversation here. I think your listeners take one thing away. It's Canada's right to win. Right. So we have this deep heritage in in mining and in natural resources. We are the world leader in that. We were the third spacefaring nation um, with the Alouette satellite. And we have a deep expertise in space robotics and communications. And this should really be our kind of industry as a nation uh, going forward. So then what, what space mining means, and again, it means several things to several people. For us, it's about there's this return to the moon going on, and that return to the moon seeks to establish permanent lunar bases. Those lunar bases will require resources consumed in the lunar environment. And the most efficient way for us to do that is to actually produce those resources like water and oxygen and hydrogen in the lunar environment for local consumption. So the scientific term is in situ resource utilization resources uh, produced and consumed where they are. And beyond that, I think there's you know a longer term uh, vision to space mining, which is to harvest uh, resources on other planetary bodies. So you know asteroids, the asteroid field between past Mars has uh, more precious metals than you know by a, a order of magnitude, uh, an exponential order of magnitude than, than a- anywhere on Earth. Right. Um, There's single asteroids who have more precious metals than we do on this planet. So a lot of that stuff is in kind of the long term vision for space mining. For us, it's about sustainability. It's about making space travel more sustainable. The less you have to bring there with you, the better and the more you can establish permanent operations in, in these places. So it's not about necessarily you don't have a mining company that's seeking rights to go and mine on the moon, for example. You're focusing on the things that are going to be needed in order for us as mankind, humankind, to actually mine in space. Correct. We'll obviously have to deal with uh, rights on the moon as as the moon is a commons right now for humanity. And of of course, with anything, there there has to be the right uh, legal pathway. But we're really focused on delivering goods in space. As a company, in many ways, it's easier to think of us as an energy company, as the the future kind of 
a shell of space, creating an energy supply chain and, and consumable supply chain for things like water, things like oxygen, and things like rocket fuel, which is uh, mostly made of uh, hydrogen and oxygen. So rocket fuel is just water. And there is uh, abundant water on the moon, as well as on other uh, planetary bodies or hydrogen and oxygen. It's just a question of how you get it out of the, the dust, how you get it out of the, the rock there, and then process it into a usable form. Growing up, a lot of us would have been aware of the fact that a number of inventions that we use today, practical things, were actually invented for the purpose of the moon mission in the United States. And we can find these things in our everyday life. Is it right to assume that it's the same kind of attitude with respect to developments that you're seeking to make in, in space mining? These things are going to be applicable in our everyday life and further our, our own understanding of what we can do here on Earth. Yeah, fundamentally, space and, and space technology and, and us solving uh, big challenges in space has uh, continuously led to these technologies, these revolutionary technologies, which has impacted our everyday lives. GPS is a great example. It's how we all get around on a daily basis. It was actually not intended when it was originally created for GPS. You know, MRI technology and me medical imaging, some of that is based on the data analysis, actually, uh, that they did of images for the moon, for the original Apollo missions, as well as astronomy technologies. Uh, Velcro, something we use uh, in our everyday lives uh, on our children's shoes, comes from some work in space technology. So th there's a number of examples on this. And as we're going to the lunar environment uh, this time to stay, we're going to end up creating a lot of technology that will be very impactful. Where we're focused at, as a company at CSMC is in these dual-use technologies. So are we solving a long-term problem in space? And does that solve an immediate problem on Earth? And and on the processing side, the side where we're creating uh, squeezing water out of rocks, um, fundamentally, the two biggest problems facing humanity over the next century are, are going to be uh, clean water and, and clean air. And we think that this will yield insights and technologies that we're not even quite clear right now on, on what they will be, where we will end up making those inventions. But we think that'll be impactful to humanity's big problems uh, on resources. We've already created some new technologies uh, for resources that are very disruptive from our work on the early stages of, of space mining. That's really cool. And I understand that the Canadian Space Agency has um, granted you some funding for something that would be needed in space, but as well as something that could pretty well be put to use in rural and remote communities. Yeah, so, so we actually have three uh, big contracts with the Canadian Space Agency. Uh, so, so we've evolved as a company from just a pure play space mining company to, to that mission of, of dual use technologies where we're really what I would call a long-term infrastructure company focused on solving big problems in areas that are long-term in space, but immediate on earth. And we do that across three verticals. One is resources, so the space mining side. The second is uh, healthcare and the third is energy side. So we're buying for visions for Canada's next big space program. And that's the LSEI contract where we're advancing all the space mining work for Canada right now. We're the only startup competing for the next $2 billion space program against the big incumbents. And then in the second vertical, in the healthcare vertical, uh, we just built a prototype space hospital for the CSA. So Canada went and kind of said, well, maybe we want to own and be the leader long term in healthcare delivery in space. And so they tasked us and a couple other players with building uh, a prototype hospital of what an early stage 
prototype of a moon hospital would be. But what it really is, is the shipping container hospital, super advanced hospital environment that can be disruptive immediately to the Arctic and indigenous communities and remote communities where there's a huge gap in healthcare infrastructure. So that's our C3 project, our connected care capsule uh, funded by the Canadian Space Agency. And that was a $2 million project. Uh, we went from concepts to beginning construction in about a month and then delivered the project about six months later on time and on budget. Well, coming from the government, I say bravo. That's pretty cool that you got it on time and on budget. And, and as, a, as a taxpayer, I say thank you for getting it on time and on budget. Yeah, this is a new way of doing procurement. And I know you've been around government for a while. Procurement has its challenges. Everyone will tell you it's a very inefficient system. There's there's a new model in the space industry, and it's to war away from what's called old space, which is the, the old prime contractor model, towards what's called new space, where space agencies and governments are finding ways to iterate uh, more rapidly, maybe take a little more risk, but move much quicker in a way that can advance technology faster and capabilities faster with overall less risk as they move and progress things at a lower cost. Um, And so the CSA went out to us and some other parties to develop these uh, pods on a very short basis. We had about six months to deliver the project and they expect to continue iterating upon uh, these pods with new versions, solving ever more kind of complex challenges on a very fast basis. If this was done the old fashioned way, it would have probably taken many studies and, you know, five to seven years just to get to this point we got in in six months. And I appreciate that. As I said, that's pretty awesome. Now, you have a recent new hire that I'm very interested in. Uh, tell us about the new role for your NASA astronaut. Two weeks ago, the acting chief astronaut of NASA, uh, Drew Feustel, uh, retired from NASA and the next day joined our company as the head of strategy, EVP of strategy. It's so obviously, you know, for an entrepreneur like myself, it's a very surreal moment that Drew would choose us. Uh, someone like that could obviously go to uh, any company he wanted on the planet. Uh, Drew is uh, the only U.S. Canadian astronaut, uh, actually has a very interesting background, accomplished uh, geophysicist, worked in mining exploration, resource exploration for Exxon. Um, and then went to NASA, started his career as a mechanic. So he uh, started kind of from the community college blue collar route, which is not a typical uh, pathway to becoming a, an astronaut. And then was commander of the ISS, uh, led the repairs on, on the Hubble. And, and Drew brings tremendous experience in space flight, in the inner workings of the space agencies and space industry. Obviously knows it's a very small community. So he knows every other astronaut, every company. Um, quite impactful, very passionate about space mining, has always been someone who believed in space mining. And that's why he got into NASA in the first place, wanting to apply his geophysics background to space. And so this is a great opportunity for him to now apply that background and for us to to work with someone like this who brings really deep understanding firsthand of space operations, how governments and space agencies perceive and look at risk. Everything in business, as you know, is about uh, estimating, quantifying, and trying to hedge risk. And and so Drew brings really unparalleled experience in, in that regard. So where do you see the market going in the future? I think ultimately, it's the largest market in space. Take a terrestrial analog. If you look at uh, all of the airline companies and all of the airplane companies, you sum those and then 
you look at their market cap and you look at the market cap of one or two oil and gas companies, that will tell you where the market is going for consumables in the future. I think, you know, the uh, SpaceX's of the world are solving real problems, but ultimately, you know, you may look back on this at 100 years and, and realize that they are maybe building the school buses or the airplanes and, and not in the consumables business. So so I see this as a, a very large business. There's huge numbers that have been thrown out around space mining. It's said to be that the first trillionaire will be the first person to mine asteroids. That's possible. The market for water on the moon is estimated by PwC to be between 50 and 100 billion between now and 2040. And we think that will be a, a very viable market servicing both the lunar environment, uh, trans-Mars uh, travel, so from the moon to Mars, as well as uh, low Earth orbit, where there's tons of commercial activity happening and a huge opportunity uh, to refuel and service all of that activity with consumables. Well, thanks so much, Daniel. Really appreciate your time here today on The Rate Stuff. I bet there's a lot of listeners out there who hadn't even been thinking about this and thought it was something that you watch on television or or you see in the movie theater, but it's a reality and it's something that in Canada, you're going to help us get to that forefront of competition. So thank you so much for joining me today on The Right Stuff. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now, if you have any questions or comments or even requests on topics to discuss, drop me a line at lisa.rate at cibc.com. Your interactions actually will make this better. I'm your host, Lisa Rate, and this has been The Rate Stuff. The materials disclosed on this podcast are for informational purposes only and subject to our code of conduct as well as IROC rules. The information and data contained herein has been obtained or derived from sources believed to be reliable without independent verification by CIBC Capital Markets and to the extent that such information and data is based on sources outside CIBC Capital Markets, we do not represent or warrant that any such information or data is accurate, adequate, or complete. Notwithstanding anything to the contrary herein, CIBC World Markets Inc. and or any affiliate thereof shall not assume any responsibility or liability of any nature in connection with any of the contents of this communication. This communication is tailored for a particular audience and accordingly this message is intended for such specific audience only. Any dissemination, redistribution, or other use of this message or the market commentary contained herein by any recipient is unauthorized. This communication should not be construed as a research report. The services, securities, and investments discussed in this report may not be available to nor suitable for all investors. Nothing in this communication constitutes a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any specific investments discussed herein. Speakers on this podcast do not have any actual implied or apparent authority to act on behalf of any issuer mentioned in this podcast. The commentary and opinions expressed herein are solely those of the individual speakers, except where the author expressly states them to be the opinions of CIBC World Markets Inc. The speaker may provide short-term trading views or ideas on issuers, securities, commodities, currencies, or other financial instruments, but investors should not expect continuing analysis, views, or discussion relating to those instruments discussed herein. Any information provided herein is not intended to represent an adequate basis for investors to make an informed investment decision and is subject to change without notice. CIBC Capital Markets is a trademark brand name under which Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce, CIBC, its subsidiaries and affiliates provide products and services to our customers around the world. For more information about these legal entities, as well as the products and services offered by CIBC Capital Markets, please visit www.cibccm.com.